Live from Ogasawara, this is the Monster Island Film Vault Bonus Episode 3, an excerpt from Destroyer. Hello, kaiju lovers, and welcome to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. I am your host, the creative curator of The Vault, Nathan Marchand. For our final bonus episode this month to help you all get through quarantine, I'll be sharing another side of myself. My good side? Where have you been the last seven months? Getting on my bad side? Oh, whatever. Anyway, what I'm talking about is my writer side. Besides podcasting, I'm also a published author. I currently have seven books published with several in the works or on the verge of publication. All of them can be purchased on Amazon and a few other places. Today, I'll be reading a chapter from Destroyer, a kaiju novella I co-wrote with Natasha Hayden, her husband Nick, and Timothy Deal. If some of those names sound familiar, it's because they're some of the tourists you've heard on the show. You might also recognize what I'm reading because I posted this chapter as a blog a few months ago on the MIFV website. I'll post a link in the show notes. And yes, I still owe a few of you free copies, but I want to get autographs from all the authors, which is hard to do in lockdown. Please be patient. A little background. Destroyer came about in 2008 when Nick, Tim, Natasha, and several of our writer friends took a weekend retreat to a cabin in a little village in Brown County called, no joke, Story, Indiana. We discussed doing a year-long group endeavor called the Pulp Fiction Project. Dancing like Uma Thurman? Not that Pulp Fiction, Jimmy. Ugh. As I was saying... We made a list of different stories that were typically published in old pulp magazines and dime store novels. These included Space Western, Barbarian Story, and of course, Monster Story. I chose Monster Story, to which my friend Aaron Brosman said, that means you could write everything from Frankenstein to Godzilla. So I did both. The book follows six characters, a guilt-ridden scientist, his sensible daughter-slash-assistant, a gung-ho general, his unnerved chaplain advisor, a Japanese-American fighter pilot, and an enemy soldier as they follow a giant cyborg dragon unleashed on Moscow to end a war in the future. The monster, who is called Rex-1 and later Apollyon, goes berserk and strands them behind enemy lines while it rampages through the city. Complicating matters, the pilot has a short-range psychic link to Apollyon thanks to the helmet he was using to control the monster shorting out... No one trusts the Russian soldier because he can't speak English, and the chaplain is slowly going insane. All of this in less than 30,000 words. It's more intense than the war in space? Uh, you're welcome, I guess? Regardless, listeners, if you're thinking, where have I seen this before? It's because it was inspired by 2002's Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. I loved the idea of Kiryu having a biological CPU and turning on his human handlers. Sadly, that got fixed in five minutes, and it never happened again. All that story potential wasted. So that concept was the driving force of this novella. I wrote the first 10,000 or so words for four months. 
Then we all met again and drew names from a hat to see who would write the next portions of the novellas. Destroyer fell to Natasha, who had much less experience writing genre fiction, but her portion is my favorite part of the book. Four months after that, Tim drew this book and wrote the exciting and fun finale. Then, several years later, I challenged Nick to do a world exchange and write stories in settings the other one had created. He chose this novel and wrote a brilliant follow-up short story called House of the Living, which I included in a deluxe edition of the book. So, let me set the stage for this chapter. It features all but the Russian soldier. Rex-1 has destroyed a Russian military base, but General Gunn orders it to attack Moscow itself. Dr. Steiner and his daughter Ava reluctantly agree. Pilot Tomoyuki Yamamoto, nicknamed Tomo, directs the cyber beast toward its new target, the Kremlin, as enemy forces begin their retaliation. Rex-1 took flight. The wind from its wings fanned the flames consuming the base. The Nighthawk followed the Cyber Monster to stay in the TP Helmet's range. Thousands of Muscovites scurried in panic below them as Rex-1's shadow passed over them. Streets were clogged with traffic. Police car drones scrambled through the crowds trying to maintain a semblance of order. They were failing. Automated fire trucks hurried to burning buildings to snuff the fires, but panicked crowds either hampered them started more fires. Chaos reigned supreme. The Kremlin quickly approached. Yamamoto, Lander X-1 in Red Square, ordered Gun. With a thought, Tomo relayed the commands. Rex-1 swooped down and grinded to a halt, leaving a 50-foot scrape on the square. The pilots made the Nighthawk circle around the square, always keeping Rex-1 in view. Dr. Steiner expelled a long sigh and wiped sweat from his forehead. The Kremlin seemed empty. Tomo had Rex-1 make an infrared scan of the building. Rainbow-colored blips could be seen throughout it. They were the Coalition's European delegates, all trapped inside. The suddenness of the attack, the panic in the streets, and Rex-1's arrival on the square likely prevented them from retreating. Targets acquired, reported Tomo. Eva never looked up. Terminate, commanded Gunn. Tomo closed his eyes to relay the order. Rex-1's mouth opened. Boom! A screaming missile exploded against Rex-1's back, pieces of burning skin flying in all directions. The cyborg roared in pain, and Tomo cursed in surprise. Everyone grabbed their armrests for dear life. A second missile was blocked when the Cyber Dragon's energy shields activated. The pilots started evasive maneuvers as low-flying fighter planes roared over them. What was that? Gunn demanded to know. Neo makes shadows, said O'Brien. They're stealth fighters. I don't care if they're sent as reindeer. Take them out, barked Gunn. I'm working on it, shouted Tomo. The shadows, all 12 of them, circled around for another strike. Rex-1's horns glowed. Its eyes flared. The shadows fired missiles. They all crashed into the cyborg's shields. Cloaked in smoke, Rex-1 roared in defiance and blasted lasers. The shadows scattered like frightened bees, but not before three exploded. Rex-1's gaze followed the planes to acquire a new target lock. But without warning, plasma shells buffeted its shield from below. It spun and saw a battle group of Coalition super tanks emerging from a huge underground bunker near the Kremlin. No doubt it was the leader's personal defense force. 
Rex One growled as its eyes glowed again and fired. The laser sliced two tanks in half while the other scattered. A salvo of missiles exploded on Rex One's back. It looked over its shoulder and roared at the shadows, only to be interrupted by a barrage of plasma shells from the super tanks below. It roared even louder, enraged. You're pissing me off, shouted Tomo. He grimaced as he sent more telepathic commands to Rex One. Ava grabbed Dr. Steiner's shoulders. Dad, he turned to her. What is it? There was a huge spike in autonomous brain activity when Rex One was hit by the missiles when its shield was down. Dr. Steiner's fear melted into confusion. How is that possible? Our test said that would be dormant except for essential functions. This was a bad time for problems. How could they convince Gunn to call off a key mission for a random anomaly? No, it'd have to wait. They watched as Rex One lunged at the super tanks with a gaping mouth. It clutched one, twice the size of a normal tank, in its jaws. Its teeth dug into the thick titanium armor, crushing it like a can. Rex One thrashed it around a few times, then released its grip. The compacted tank flew into a building half a mile away. Rex One squatted, grabbing another tank in its teeth and clutching one in each hand. It clapped those two like an angry child breaking its toys. Then it tossed what was left of all three on the remaining tanks. Just then, a red light flashed on Ava's monitor. Dad, there's another spike, and the shield collapsed! There was no time to ask why. Dr. Steiner swiveled his chair to see Gunn. Get Rex One out of there! Too late. Before Gunn could argue, they heard Rex One bellow in pain on their monitors. They redirected their attentions. Neomigs flew over Rex One as missiles exploded against its back. More skin flew off in flaming clumps. Three surviving super tanks seized the opportunity and fired. Plasma shells smashed into the cyborg's chest, ripping into its grafted flesh. Rex One's eyes and horns glowed as it prepared to retaliate, but it was interrupted by another salvo of missiles fired by the shadows. Finally, Rex One threw back its head and arms and bellowed a primal scream. A warning screen flashed on Ava's computer and a siren-like alarm blared. Her eyes widened in terror. Readings have spiked through the roof! Dr. Steiner jumped to his feet, but before he could yell, Abort! Tomo was screaming. Lightning-like electricity danced down the wires, connecting the TP helmet to the Nighthawk computers. The flyboy's eyes were wide and white, his facial muscles contorted into the face of a terrified banshee as the power surge electrified him. A white aura enveloped him. Get the helmet off before it fries his brain, yelled Dr. Steiner, pointing at Tomo. Daniels jumped from his chair, fighting turbulence, and grabbed the helmet. Even with gloves on, his hands burned. He grated a cry through his teeth and ripped the helmet off of Tomo's head. They both collapsed on the floor. Smoke emanated from the helmet as it dangled from the wires. Dr. Steiner immediately looked out the windshield. More missiles and plasma shells hit Rex One. Screaming in agony, the cyborg's legs buckled and it fell against the Kremlin. The building crumbled, burying the cyber beast under tons of rubble. A thick black cloud of dust flew into the air. Silence. Dr. Steiner's jaw dropped. No, it can't be. Suddenly, two red lights flared in the dust cloud, glaring at the Nighthawk. Laser beams fired. Instantly, the Nighthawk spiraled out of control. The screams of sirens and crew members mingled in Dr. Steiner's ears as inertia and vertigo slammed him against the wall. 
He forced his eyes open and watched through the windshield as the Moscow streets rushed up to them. There was an ear-shattering crash. Everything went black. There you have it, kaiju lovers. It only ramps up from there. You've had to fix Mechagodzilla so he didn't go crazy like this? Doesn't that run the risk of incurring Mothra's wrath? It wasn't Kiryu? Then you should be safe. I've heard Reverend Mafune was canceling that poor cyborg using the Orca, which would explain why he's been more depressed lately. Yeah, it does need to get fixed ASAP. Anyway, kaiju lovers, I'll leave a link to Destroyer's Amazon listing in the show notes so you can purchase it. I know! If people Google Destroyer Marchand, they'll get a World War II battleship with my surname. It makes me wonder if it was named after a distant relative. Now, listeners, I do have one request. Once you finish the book, please leave a review on Amazon and or Goodreads. Just like with reviewing the podcast, it helps other people discover media from your favorite creators. Thanks. Destroyer should tide you over for two weeks until Redeemed Otaku's Bex joins me on a little detour in the Conquest. I like to call the Summer of Mothra. We'll be discussing Rebirth of Mothra. See you then. Cue credits! Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nathan Marchand. If you enjoy the show and want to join the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Your message could be read on a future episode of the show. Our website is monsterislandfilmvault.com. Follow us on Facebook at Monster Island Film Vault and on Twitter, where our handle is TheMonsterIsla1. You can also follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASA Jimmy. I have fulfilled my contractual obligations. The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is Wander on the Offensive, live edit by B33J, Sarax, Juan Madrano, and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counterattack, Battle with the Colossus, and The Open Way, Battle with the Colossus by Kowotani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus. Can be downloaded from ocremix.org. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended or implied. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and other fine podcatchers. Please rate and review the podcast to help spread the word about the show. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara! <laughs>